What does the election season mean to you? If you're a political nerd like me, it likely means polling and GOTV. Because elections, after all, are a numbers game. Hi, my name is Angela Chavez, the communications director at Courage California. And you're listening to Courage. It looks good on you. Our team at Courage has been working hard to release the results of our 2022 congressional polling. But don't worry, I won't bombard you with numbers. Instead, we'll use some of the key findings to help inform an important conversation about California's youngest and growing voter block and learn how to best engage and turn out young voters in our state with someone who knows the subject all too well. Before I pass the mic over to our guest today, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge our presence on the traditional and unceded territory of hundreds of First Nations who are the traditional caretakers of the land that we call California. Thanks, Angela. My name is Lindsay West, and I'm the Operations Director for Courage California. Today, we're talking about young voters between the ages of 18 and 29 in California, especially what kinds and scale of resources are really needed to engage and turn out these important voters. I'm excited to be here with Boomer Vicente, Policy Director for CHISPA in Orange County. Hi, Boomer. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to be here. Awesome. I want to thank you for being here today because you organize young activists in your community and you're a leader and young voter yourself. You also ran for state assembly this year. I'm hoping you'll be able to help us dig into some research on young voters and illuminate where there are real gaps in investments and campaigns to keep them engaged beyond any one election or protest. Let's kick off with some data. In 2020, we got excited because over half of registered young voters turned out and made it an historic election. These voters provided key votes in races up and down the ballot. And now here we are, two years later, asking ourselves the question of what it will take to get historic youth voter turnout again for this midterm election. Voters between the ages of 18 to 35 are about 30% of registered voters in California. When Courage polled voters in six congressional districts in September, only 10% of registered voters who responded to our poll were 18 to 29. And in the 2022 primary election, only around 10% of voters between 18 to 35 voted. At the same time, in our 2021 statewide youth voter poll, 68% believed that voting was the number one way to change society for the better. From your experience organizing young people, what do you see as some of the barriers these voters face in voting? I think really what is key is engaging young people. And from my experience, young people will listen if they feel heard and if they feel included in these policies. Because often at times we've seen politicians run that exclude a lot of young people that don't listen to what young people have to say. And I think especially this year, what we've seen is a huge decline in voter turnout. And through my experience running for assembly, part of the reason why I ran was to motivate young people and to make sure that that young people felt that they were heard. And so I think in a sense, being able to engage young people, make sure that they feel like they're being heard and also just being able to help mobilize them. And in addition to that, I know that there needs to be just more accessibility towards elections. Like often at times there are folks within our community that there's a lot of working class communities and they 
work for a whole day, then they don't really have time to go out to vote. And so I know there's been efforts to make voting an election a holiday. And I think that would be a really great tool in order to engage young people, have voters turn out among all ages. And so I think just efforts like that, you know, more representation, more accessibility towards the polls, and having just more young candidates as well, I think will motivate young voter turnout. In our poll, 36% of young voters see community leaders and 32% see community organizations as the most influential on their vote, outranking business people and elected officials. What's your take on those numbers? I think on a, on a local level, that rings more true. But I think as you go higher within the state level, it's often at times where special interests have a lot of say. And we see them spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in mailers and ads in order to elect their candidates. And so I think there needs to be a combination of really both community leaders and also like money. Money is a big, big component of elections. And so when we have community leaders that are voicing their endorsements, you know, that is helpful on a local level and they have a lot of influence. But I feel like like money plays a huge role in politics and in campaigns. And often at times money helps create narratives that that folks like misconstrued, like hate ads, like all these kind of narratives that will reach voters. And so I think there's different components to how voters are influenced and how money plays a, a huge role in that. All right. And that ties into our next question. Almost half of young voters who are not affiliated with either the Democratic or Republican Party say it's because they believe corporations and the wealthy have too much influence in the parties. How do you talk to young people about government and politics, especially when they have the perception, and some would say, rightly so, that our systems are rigged? Yeah, I would say that is true among young people. Young people are really tired of these two electoral parties. It's binary. And a lot of young people want a more diverse party that represents the values of the communities. And here in California, I was very fortunate that I was endorsed by the California Working Families Party. They're very vocal around the inaccuracy and the misfall of the Democratic Party, how they really haven't made an effort in order to follow up with their promises and, and really like their campaign values. And we see a lot of Democrats that are bought out by politicians, especially we saw a lot of Democrats that are bought out by corporate special interests, especially here in California. And so I support the creation of a multi-party such as the California Working Families Party. And I hope that as we go forward in politics, that we're able to allow a kind of party like the California Working Families Party to have such an influence in California. And we've seen that they play a large role in New York and especially in the East Coast. And so here in California and on the local and, and state level, we're hoping, in a sense, to kind of bring those kind of party structures, those resources to our communities. So you just mentioned you ran for state assembly this year. What motivated you to run? And what was one of the big takeaways you learned from your campaign? It's a big question. <laughs> but what essentially motivated me to run was a combination of many things. You know, first, my organizing policy experience. 
for the past few years, I've been doing policy work on the local and state level on campaigns related to police accountability, such as SB2, the police certification bill. Here on the local level, we helped pass, in a sense, rent control, where I was like a volunteer. And we also were able to kind of push forward more tenants protections. And I saw that our state representative, Tom Daly, was representing a district that was moderately Latino, very young, very Democrat, but yet was voting very conservative and was endorsing Republicans. And I was tired of being represented by someone that was constantly failing our communities. Someone that during the pandemic went on a lobby trip visits with special interests in Hawaii while his communities were literally dying. And so it was a culmination of really not feeling heard, feeling that our communities deserve better. And also just wanted to make a statement in a sense that young people don't have to wait their turn. And what I learned through this election is that, you know, we need more young people to run, but we also need to have, in a sense, more resources for some candidates that come from grassroots communities, because I was up against very large, rich special interests where we had corporations like Disney spend my race. We had oil companies, police associations spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to make sure that I wasn't elected. And so as a young person, as a first-time candidate, I think for me, I learned a lot about disrupting that pipeline and making a statement in a sense that this was the first time in our county that folks saw a young queer Latino running for a seat like this. And I was very proud of that. And I still hear to this day, folks that feel inspired by my campaign, folks that are running for office because of my campaign. And so I think that for me is really motivating. And I encourage young people to run and not wait their turn and and not be afraid and really just taking that leap of faith. Although I didn't make it past the primaries, I was originally running against an incumbent who was in this seat for five terms. He was an elected official longer than I'd been alive. And he dropped out of the race a day before the filing deadline. And that was a huge statement of what my campaign meant and what it was trying to change. And so I made him resign. (laughs) And I think for me, that's a big accomplishment as someone that really does not need or can't represent our community. And so I learned a lot of lessons and, and I'm really like proud of the campaign that I ran. Well, that's so awesome that you ran. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to circle back to CHISPA. What strategies have been most successful for you at CHISPA to engage and motivate young voters? Yeah. So we do a lot of digital advocacy and also just on the ground efforts, but we have utilized really like social media as the way to reach our audience. And so we primarily focus on young Latinos between the ages of 18 to 35. And within the past few years, we've built a membership base, we've built a huge following, and we've been able to become one of the main key players in like the city of Santa Ana and in the county as well. And so the strategies that we've used is We've written op-eds. We've utilized media such as the Voice of OC, OC Register, local media in a way to reach our audience. 
we've used online kind of social medias. And so one thing that we do is we do like a lot of like graphics and like campaigns around transparency and accountability around like police associations. And so one of the big campaigns that we did was follow the money campaign. And we we tied council members to police associations and did like a huge summary of really how much they received, what did those funds result to, which resulted in these like pro-police policies that incarcerate our residents, incarcerate our communities. And we were able to make a huge wave of success that year because all the endorsed police association candidates lost during that election year. And our campaign became like a hashtag for other campaigns in the city of like follow the money where people were going into expenditures and seeing what type of donations candidates were getting. And we really emphasized the toxicity of being endorsed by police associations. And so we were able to really do a lot in a sense within social media. But one also component is we mobilize young people to City Hall. And so we were helping organize protests during the Black Lives Matter movement. And these past two years, we've done a lot of work on the local and statewide level around issues around like housing, healthcare, police accountability. And so I'm really proud of the work that Chispa has done and the methods and the strategies that they've used in order to engage our audience because a lot of our young people are working class. We have students, you know, we have teachers. And a lot of our supporters are folks that aren't really policy wonks, that you know, aren't really folks that are really deep into politics, but they're people that are impacted by housing. They're folks that are impacted by policing, by healthcare, and they're folks that need a voice. And we help provide an avenue for folks in order to do that. Okay, a question for you. So let's say you knew someone at a campaign and they were like, boomer. How do we make a greater investment in young voters? We want to reach this audience. What is one key tip you would give a campaign to say like, okay, this one thing is the most essential? I would say direct contact, like conversations with people. Because as I mentioned earlier, folks like to be heard and folks want to have their input expressed. And I've seen that through both organizing and also through my campaign for assembly is how folks on an individual level don't feel that they're being represented in politics and a lot of young people as well. And so being able to make an effort to reach out to young people can go a long way, whether that's having a conversation, whether that's providing like a forum or like an event. I think one really effective way is having that direct direct contact with an organizer with the voter and learning the type of issues that are impacting them what they're passionate about and seeing how they can be involved and so i think there are multiple ways to engage in that voter outreach engage in that outreach organizers residents community but i think essentially being able to provide that space for folks to feel like they're being heard and having that connection. When you talk about direct contact, does that only mean face-to-face or can that mean in a digital forum? That can mean in a, a digital forum. It's kind of a, like a method of both. All right. So this kind of ties up the end of our interview. So I have some fun questions for you. What is your astrological sign? <laughs> can you guess? 
I'm going to guess you're an earth sign. You're your earth or fire. That's my guess, but I, I'm not quite sure. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> a Ge- oh, wow. <laughs> do you feel like that rings true for you? Or do you just read your horoscope and you're like, mm, me, what? Often at times folks feel, aren't surprised when I tell them I'm a Gemini, but I think it, it kind of matches my energy. I would say that I'm like a people person. So I love talking to people. I love canvassing. <laughs> like I love door knocking, like meeting people face to face. And I'm someone that is often really like creative and expressive. And, but there are some qualities of Gemini. Like for example, like I'm not two-faced. <laughs> like I stay true to my values and I'm committed to what I fight for, what I hope to represent. Boomer, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. We really appreciate having you here. Thank you. Appreciate it too. And now, for your shot of courage. Election Day is on November 8th, and it's coming up fast. California vote-by-mail ballots are already out. And if you haven't received one yet, you may not be registered to vote, or your voter registration isn't up to date. Visit CourageCaliforniaInstitute.org for voter registration resources. The last day to register to vote online is October 24th. The eligible Californians can also register to vote at polling sites. And if you've received your ballot and it has you scratching your head or low-key panicking because you don't recognize the races, names, or propositions, I have some good news. We're here to help. This year, our California Voter Guide is available in both online and PDF formats. The Courage Voter Guide is statewide and multi-issue and provides race information, endorsements, and recommendations for candidates and propositions that you'll find on your midterm ballot. You can get your customizable 2022 General Election Voter Guide at CourageVoterGuide.org. Now, back to those polling results. In preparation for the midterm elections, And to help support GOTV efforts, Courage California partnered with Data for Social Good, Communities for a New California, Inland Empire United, and OC Action to conduct polls of over 3,000 registered voters in six key battleground congressional districts, including 13, 21, 22, 27, 41, and 45. These districts are located in multiple Central Valley, Los Angeles, Orange, and Inland Counties, and because their boundaries have changed since redistricting, they provide rare opportunities to flip what have been historically red congressional districts. And this is huge. And if you're wondering why this is such a big deal, let me give you an example. So while, according to all the polls, not just ours, Californians overwhelmingly support abortion rights, there are still people running for Congress in California who do not support them. This is our opportunity to not just protect body autonomy in our state, but potentially nationwide and for good. You can find the results from our 2022 polling for congressional districts 13, 21, 22, 27, 41, and 45 under the Engage section at CourageCalifornia.org. Please share our voting resources to help get out the vote and protect our rights and freedoms. And if you have any election-related questions, reach out. We're happy to help. I'm your host, Angela Chavez, and this has been Courage. It looks good on you. We appreciate you joining us today and hope that you will tune in next time because you guessed it, we're just getting started. With you, Fashioned in Courage, we can create a California that represents and serves us all. 
Let us know your thoughts about today's episode by tagging us at CourageCA and using the hashtag CourageLooksGoodOnYou. And if you liked this podcast, please rate it and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, share.